0: Hello and welcome to another Solution Sunday, where the soul is the solution. I'm Lisa Warner. I'm the author of The Simplicity of Self Healing. And today I am here with Maddie Lansdowne. Maddie is the creator of a podcast called How to Not Get Sick and Die. <laughs> he is also a scientist and he's been in the medical field, and we're going to get the whole lowdown from him as we go. So I'm super excited because this is a topic right up my alley. (laughs) Maddie, welcome.
1: Thanks, Lisa. Thanks so much for inviting me on.
0: You're welcome. I just I love the name of your podcast. I'm (laughs) super jealous that I didn't think of it first.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a funny one. And I love that it makes everybody laugh.
0: (laughs) exactly so how did you end up coming up with a podcast called how to not get sick and die
1: yeah that's a that's a big question I guess um Because that was the first step for me into this, you know, being really a really active member of this world of natural health and healing and, um, you know, preaching the good words, so to speak. Um, And so I guess, yeah, my background is as a scientist uh, in a medical setting, uh, in a hospital, particularly in a cancer hospital. And um, it was, I started there in my early 20s, so young, naive, um, you know, excited to just have a job and get paid, (laughs) that type of thing. Um, And, uh I just early on, I was just really confused by a lot of the stuff we were doing, and I wasn't raised by you know hippie parents or spiritual parents or anything energetic parents in any way. My mum was a nurse um she helped lecture medical students um I used to go to the hospital with my mum as daycare, like I lived in a small uh small town so uh the first five or six years of my life, I was literally just running around the ward at the hospital as daycare um so so all of that to say that I I just developed this really positive relationship with science and medicine and the hospital and I really was thought it was you know the absolute pinnacle of human intelligence um until I worked in one (laughs) basically (laughs) so so yeah so I had a really you know medicalized upbringing having said that interestingly once I sort of went on this path i realized that Mum actually did take us to chiropractors and naturopaths and stuff when we were much younger but sort of it was kind of confusing because it was like well if Mum works in this industry why do we do this anyway i was confronted with that same challenge on my journey which is working in the hospital and i was just confused why nobody dealt with the cause of the disease and um so my my base degree is in forensics so a lot of the work that i've done over the years is around death um and so, looking at all the death data and, and bits of different bits of information and mortality meetings and morbidity meetings that I was in every single week, just just trying to understand why nobody ever once in the history of this patient's health, because that's what we would do, we would analyze this stuff together, why nobody asked about the cause of the disease, like ever. Like it seems super bizarre, and and me in my early twenties naively is just like, oh. Obviously, that's just not an important part of the conversation because obviously we would do that um, if it was. Um, and I, so I'd been there about six months uh, of the, what ended up being about seven years. And I thought, all right, like I've really got to get into this cancer thing and, and learn about it and, you know, become good at it. And so I started literally at the World Health Organization website. And the first sentence on the cancer page at the time actually said 90 to 95% of cancers are diet, lifestyle, and tobacco um and that only 5 to 7% are genetic um and so if you ask anybody on the street you say the big c word which was actually ranked the most scary word in the english language um you they think you've just had bad luck they just think you've had bad luck which means bad genes and actually the extreme vast majority is down to diet and lifestyle choices um and i went to my professor and just said hey, so like, why don't we do diet and lifestyle? <laughs> it seems like it kind of, that would make sense. And he, he laughed um, and he's a genius. Like one of the smartest humans I've ever met. And I've, I've worked with so many phenomenal humans that just don't get the simplicity of that question. Um, and yeah, he laughed and just said, if it was that simple, we would have figured it out a long time ago. And so me just finding this disconnect and also knowing everybody in the hospital I worked in, all the labs, no one was working on a cure. Nobody works on cures like it doesn't it's not a thing uh, because people you don't get you don't get money from healthy people, so everyone, including the lab I was in, it's about drug uh, and disease management over time. How long can you keep somebody alive for in order for them to be able to perpetually use drugs? Um, so pharmaceutical companies get paid now, I don't think capitalism is a bad thing. I just think the way the system has been built currently uh, is not in favor of healthy humans and so sort of fast forward a few years. I go down the rabbit hole of the Rockefeller family and the, the the pharmaceutical industry and and you know the rail industry and the oil industry and like the, all the roots of that are just deep and dark and terrifying. Um, but that's what that's the that's the sort of foundations that Western medicine is built upon. Um, and when you talk about this stuff in 2022, people kind of think. You're a conspiracy theorist because it's actually been, you know, 150 years since this was put in motion. So they think, oh, I've got a doctor, I've met nurses, I've met all these people, and they seem lovely. And everybody I've ever worked with is lovely. And they are in the industry for the right reasons. But it's just it's so deep down the rabbit hole that nobody's taught like when you go to medical school you're not taught western medical history and i'm sure if you were it would probably be the wrong version (laughs) like not all the deep dark capitalist tyrannical parts of, of western medicine and so this all led me to be get, get really angry, basically. So I also had a partner in my 20s that was um, going through some um, serious health challenges. And I saw her have nine surgeries and medications that made her worse and worse and worse. So simultaneously, I was going on this journey myself, just with my head, like information and being like, this doesn't make sense. Um, and then watching her and sort of, go, you know, eventually get off Western medicine and drugs and be the healthiest she's ever been. Um, and so these two parallels were sort of like, well this is what I'm thinking here's the evidence for it at home <laughs> um and that led me to just being yeah super angry that we were all being misled and lied to um, and so I was like it's so easy to not get sick and die. <laughs> like it's actually pretty easy. Um, but in the modern day like p- people think oh about the age of 45 50 I just have to put my my hand in the potluck drawer of which disease I'll get for the next 30 years. And that's not how humans are meant to live. So that all led to the podcast being created and me wanting to put out a message of just how simple it is to get back to not being sick and dying and and dying in your sleep naturally of old age is, is really like the old norm.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Wow. I love that story. That's amazing. You know, and it really truly is simple. You know, when I, when I found myself facing cancer, Like I chemo and radiation and, you know, heavy duty pharmaceuticals that did not seem simple to me (laughs) and it seemed really, really scary as a matter of fact. And I was like, healing should not be scary. Like Mm. there's gotta be a better way than this. And, you know, at that time I was so far down the, down in the deep, dark depression, of my life that I really truly didn't care whether I lived or died at that point so I was like what the hell I'll figure it out myself or I won't (laughs) you know either way it's a win-win for me right
1: yeah
0: (laughs) so so all of a sudden once I suddenly you know I meditated and I started to just ask what do I need to know about this and suddenly it became completely obvious to me that can, that I wasn't being attacked by cancer, that that's like the the marketing message that they're sending to everybody to get yeah, yeah. them to go that medical route. The And suddenly I realized my body is functioning exactly the way it's designed to function given the circumstances that I've provided for it. And in that moment I went, oh my gosh, we're all being lied to. We're all being misled about cancer and
1: yeah i I totally agree, yeah,
0: so I love that you you went down that the the study and studying the rabbit hole of the Rockefeller Foundation and <laughs> you know all of that because most people have never aren't putting the the pieces of the puzzle together
1: to see yeah. who
0: is actually behind the system that has well, I different. think,
1: and I think in the last two years, particularly, it's been very evident that um humans don't remember like it's it's in and i think i think we would all basically be angels that hover around the earth if humans remembered just for five generations we don't even remember like we would be so energetically and spiritually evolved if humans just remembered you know and if and i remember i um One of my clients, she has a PhD in history um, and she said that she was talking to her professor at some point in the pandemic um, and he said, if there's anything that I've learned from studying history for 45 years, it's that nobody remembers history Um, and that's like the biggest problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and the history that we're told is kind of not exactly the history that is actually real (laughs) on the planet.
1: I've got a really good quote for that. And I, I, my dad, my dad's really into sort of the other side of history. Um, and he said, he said to me that history, the version of history you're taught is the version taught by those that won.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, yeah. whoa! that just blew my mind when I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, of course it is.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah so you know, people just think that when we go to school, we just learn the truth about everything and that life is the way it is. But life is only the way it is because we think it's that way. And totally, when we start to see that it's actually doesn't have to be this way at all, then we can start changing our consciousness and start remembering who we actually are. The angels yeah. that have come to- to animate these physical bodies and have a physical experience, we're the soul.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. The other thing I would say is, like, as a kind of a caveat, is that like Western medicine has certainly saved my life. Um, so I think the problem is that we apply emergency medical thinking, which is like a pill for an ill, um, to chronic, long term things that took years and decades to develop and then will take years and decades for so many people if ever um for them to to go away and so i think yeah like i would definitely be dead without western medicine (laughs) so it's it's got its place and the other thing is too we're in such an unnaturally toxic world sometimes it takes toxic drugs to kill the toxic problem to get back on your feet but at that point you should then move into health nutrition lifestyle relationships meditation but the system doesn't do that it just says hey keep taking this devastating medication
0: exactly yeah i mean your know, western emergency medicine is amazing you know yeah. if you're if you're bowel you know if your bowels burst or your appendix bursts or you know in a catastrophic car accident or something you definitely want a surgeon around you
1: know and they're
0: great they're it's amazing but you know when it comes to actually healing people from cancers and other diseases not so much
1: (laughs) yeah well and i think the other the, the massive utility that it has is diagnosis because like the, the tools, the phenomenally amazing scientific tools that we have to find information, because a lot of natural health practitioners, whether you use meditation, whether you use naturopathy, whether you use Chinese medicine, Ayurveda... Like the diagnosis, we usually go to a Western medical da- doctor, get all the science data, and then go and give it to the natural health practitioner. So it's got, I think it's got huge utility in in investigate as an investigative tool to understand what is r- wrong in a material sense with the body, um, so that then we can go and you know use other tools at our, that are at our disposal.
0: Well, you know what I've what I've really come to understand is that. You know, the mind and the body are inextricably linked. And, yeah. you know, when, when we are in fear or doubt or worry or anxiety, our bodies are responding to that. And they respond in very specific ways. And, you know, our consciousness is generating our reality. So when we go to the doctor and we're afraid of diseases and we get a diagnosis of a scary disease, all of a sudden that forms our consciousness into a specific pattern. You know, oh no, I have six months to live or whatever they tell us. And now it's so locked in, there's so much charge around that scary diagnosis that we don't know how to unlock our consciousness from that. We don't know how to clear that pattern out and override that. So we end up living out that very pattern that they gave to us.
1: Yeah, I think as well, like the one of the problems, which probably stems from, you know, maybe my grandmother's era, Um, It's that everybody like sees the doctor as, you know, like society has positioned them socially as this prestigious know, know know-it-all kind of, you know, deity. Um, And that's where we're learning thanks to the internet, like that that's not always true. And they're taught one particular version of the body, but what, but to come back to sort of what you're saying about being given a prognosis or a diagnosis or an expectation is that we, we put, disproportionately put so much weight on the information that that type of individual gives to us and so i think that's backed by the fact that western medicine also tells us or western culture not even just medicine but um it convinces us that if you're not an expert in the university system that we've devised means that you're an expert um you're not smart enough to make a call on that particular thing, even if it's your own body. And so you go to a doctor who's meant to be an expert in bodies um, and you are not an expert in bodies. You have a body, but you're not an expert in one, apparently. Um, And so you go to the doctor and, and you're like, oh, because he studied for a long time or she studied for a long time. And that, so the weight that, that that diagnosis comes with is essentially a death sentence because you give so much credibility to the words that that person's delivered to you that you literally write your own death certificate in your mind and you commit to the path of like, well, in six months, my energetic self will just surrender to death. Um, and and it's I think, yeah, we're starting to learn that yeah there's lots of different ways to have the conversation and you know that that can be a guess we all know people that you know like your story right um where people have had been given a particular time frame or people have been told this is how long it's going to take and then 30 years later they're still kicking on and it's it's so it's not you know there's plenty of evidence for that not to be the case but I think we've got to take doctors off their pedestal and make them human again
0: <laughs> precisely you know and when I when I healed myself, I had these awarenesses about what was going on with my body. And the only way that I could have those awarenesses was because I didn't go that medical route. So I what, my consciousness wasn't immersed in, this is the way it is. So I opened up to other possibilities. And, you know, when we open up to other possibilities, we find out that, you know, there are there are universal laws about like how the universe works. And there's biological laws about how our bodies work, but yeah. we're going by medical law and it's completely different. You know, we're really pharmaceutical law and pharmaceutical law is completely different than natural law.
1: <laughs> oh, t- totally. Yeah. And it becomes more and more yeah, about economic law. <laughs> you know um, as opposed to healing or helping or anything like that
0: yeah you know and and uh, because of this um big push for to pad the pockets of of these people um they don't really care whether we live or die they just want to get the the money out of it so you know we've as we start to go on this spiritual journey, we start to open our consciousness and we start to become aware of more of what's going on on this planet. We start to realize that we haven't been told the truth, you know, as humanity for a very, very long time, which is why we all have this state of amnesia. We don't remember who we are. And, you know, so it just goes to to reason that the doctors have also been lied to about how our bodies work so if they've yeah. been lied to about how our bodies work then we're just following that lead and it's going in the wrong direction you know they haven't been taught about our body's natural ability to heal itself and they yeah, haven't yeah, been no. taught about the cause you know how did this happen you know we see when when our bodies when we fall and break our arm like we know the trauma that happens like it's completely obvious but when it comes to emotional trauma that shows up on the inside of our bodies that's what is triggering the diseases quote unquote so and this is you know it's fully thoroughly researched biological law but We've never been taught that, and the doctors haven't been taught that either.
1: Yeah, no, you're so right, and and I think as well, like we we forget uh, that I guess like dictators, uh, well not necessarily dictators, but dictators, leaders, emperors, kings, queens for all of history ha- um, have used strategy through essentially mind control, but you know, putting a message out there in order to keep a massive group of people compliant to whoever's trying to regulate them um and you know it's like the way that i try and um humanize i guess these people that have lied to us is to think okay and let's use someone that's alive that's a part of this right like let's say bill gates right um and i look at bill gates and i think he's a white dude i'm a white dude he's a man i'm a man If I went through his life and had his resources, would I have made the same decisions? Probably. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's really important because a lot of people sort of, you know, if we look at the typical hierarchy of society, a lot of the people down here with me, uh, uh righteously being like i would never be evil or i would never hurt anyone and i actually think that that's highly unlikely that you wouldn't do that because if you were you were yeah in that position of power control wealth life experience you're a human, you have a human brain. And just as we've discussed, very few humans have learned from history. So it's very likely you would repeat the mistakes of thousands of generations of humans before you. Um, So that's kind of the way that I I reconcile the tyranny of the world is to see that it's possible that I would make the same decisions.
0: Mm -hmm. Sure. And if you've been indoctrinated into that, that mindset from Mm -hmm. early on, you know, hurt people hurt people (laughs) yeah so we have to kind of step back and and look and see you know what actually happened to them when they were children you know how did how did they develop into this person that they currently are that really doesn't care about humanity so it seems
1: yeah well and i think that's interesting too like so it seems because I think sometimes we, we're we just so removed that their point of view as to what is helping humanity is just so incredibly different. They're like, oh, no, we're doing this because depopulation is necessary for, uh, you know, like the farming of the world to continue because there was a report, you know, a few years ago that said there's only 60 harvests in the soil because of our extremely um, damaging farming practices. And so maybe that's the way they're thinking. I don't agree. <laughs> but may, you know, maybe there's a way that they're rationalizing um decisions of keeping people ill and compliant and and I, I guess to go back to trying to make sense of it all, if I was a king or a queen or, you know, at the head of anything and there was like seven point eight billion people that disagreed with me, that would be a pretty vulnerable position. So I'd probably want to put out a message that meant that they didn't want to kill me.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Kill them first before they kill you. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) So now you're also a nutritionist. You work, you do a lot with that with people. Tell us about that part of your life.
1: Yeah, sure. So I guess along that journey, um i I was like everybody else, probably in the Western world, or if not the whole world, um nowadays. But the idea that nutrition and the health of the body were the same thing was like laughable to me, and I guess I grew up as an a bit of an athlete as well, so I really only coupled good nutrition with athletes um and then I lived with um some strength and conditioning coaches. Um, when I was at university, and I really started to see the connection between food and their bodies, because they looked photoshopped all the time. <laughs> um, they were just so incredibly in shape, and and we had athletes around our house um, all the time. And so, um, that was when I really began to be like, oh, there's some kind of connection, but disease as if, as if as if chocolate causes cancer you know or, or as if this causes that and, and a lot of most people i would say the masses still think like that um and so it i went on this journey of realizing that um in the hospital setting every time i would walk through clinic like Everybody in the hospital was notably obese. Like, not everybody, some people un- like underweight that have been through a lot of ke- a chemo. So the chemo's like robbed them of all their body's energy and stuff like that. But um, most people, the very vast majority, are significantly like visually overweight. Uh, and so I thought, I just kind of was, you know, thinking naively as, you know, like, Oh, maybe being overweight's a problem because we know obesity causes, you know, is a contributor to cancer and Alzheimer's and insert your disease. And it's basically the number one precursor to any of the diseases that you can sign yourself up for, essentially. Um, and so I just started thinking like, oh, all right, maybe I need to help people lose weight, then they won't get the next problem, which is the cancer in, in this particular setting. Um, and so I started yeah, learning about nutrition and also my partner throughout my 20s. Nutrition had such a positive impact on her health and, and, you know, the way that she was able to function on a daily basis. And so through her journey, I myself was beginning to get healthier and healthier. And also, although all of the Lansdowne men in my family don't really gain weight, which is great, it doesn't mean we don't eat horrifically and that all of them have had surgery on some part of their gastrointestinal tract because of the crap that they put in. And so I was actually in that situation too. I lived, you know, a pretty terrible diet in the early part of my life. And um, and it was to the point where I was going to the toilet, there was blood every single time for years. And I was like, Food's not related to this. This is just bad luck, which is what most people think about their health situation. Um, and so, and it was, yeah, my partner in my 20s, it was like, oh, you, you know, that could be cancer or that could be because you're eating terribly. And and so I just started learning about gluten and bread and, and all these things. Uh, and this is also simultaneously happening at the early few years in the hospital where I'm asking all these questions. And I just started to change my nutrition and I basically solved a multiple year problem in about four weeks by just removing grains. Um, And I was like, this is amazing. Um, It works. And so I started looking into food as medicine and uh, learning about, because I was learning about the the history of cancer and and on that journey, I learned about traditional Chinese medicine, uh, Ayurvedic medicine, Australian Aboriginal medicine, which is like the oldest, it's like 40,000 years of history of that. Um, And so it's like I just really understood like of course of course this works because every cell in our body and every molecule that is in our body exists because of the fuel that we put into it so if you are eating terribly you're building a body that is terrible that's just as simple as it is and it's 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 kind of you know an overused cliche term but you are what you eat literally like so if you eat Lots of fast food and lots of manufactured food, then your body is going to be made essentially as a house of cards because those foods are not designed appropriately and don't have adequate nutrition. And so yeah, I just went down that rabbit hole and then um, was just became so passionate, um, learning about all these people that had healed themselves by just changing their diet, not even the lifestyle bit, not even the stress bit, and not even the sleep bit, all of which are incredibly important. Uh, And so I did the same, I just went as healthy as I could, um, and tried all these different diets and just watched my own sort of mental health and cognitive health and and physical health really transform and then i just was like i've got a this is such a powerful tool um how does nobody know how to eat um because like we've eaten for millions of years but again humans forget so easy right so so yeah i just went down this path and got really passionate and i realized that like once i started i doing was doing lectures and seminars and events on nutrition um i actually realized i i never spoke to anybody that didn't know that meat and vegetables and fruit and nuts and seeds were a good idea. So I was like, hang on, if everybody knows what to eat, why are they not doing it? And so I thought I'd you know, found the secret sauce in the nutrition world. It's like, oh, actually, everybody knows. Why did I do all of this study <laughs> on nutrition if everybody already knows? And then I realized that it's, it's, it's got a lot to do with our psychology, which is where I spend a lot of my energy now helping people with emotional eating and the stories, belief systems and relationships that they have around food. Because many of them, if not all of them, know what they should be eating. And I help people answer the question, why can't I? Um, and and sort of set up a new cognitive system to be able to actually regulate their relationship with the addictive sugar or the unhelpful foods or the convenience foods and just build essentially a, a new kind of identity that exists that is I'm a healthy person. So um, so it's a combination of, of, of the nutrition. Most people know what to do there, um, you know, intuitively, but so most people have been convinced that their intuition is lying to them. So we've got to, we've got to deal with that too. But, um, but yeah, I'm incredibly passionate about the power of food. It's, it's a feature of every part of natural medicine in all of history. And it's because it's how the body is built from the stuff we put into it.
0: Exactly. You know, and this gorgeous planet that we live on provides every single thing we need all the foods grow straight out of the beautiful fertile rich soils all the all the herbs the plants the, that we can use for both food and medicine and now we have been convinced that that's alternative
1: yeah <laughs> like, i know right
0: when did this when did nature become alternative <laughs>
1: like, yeah. well I, find, I i laugh about that too with um like the hospital and is is normal medicine, mainstream medicine, and then ten thousand year old Chinese medicine is alternative, or forty thousand year old Aboriginal medicine is alternative, or six and a half thousand year old Ayurvedic is and it's like, hang on, Western medicine's only 150 years old. Like that's alternative.
0: <laughs> exactly. And you know, when we look at the at least any time that I have been around a hospital and it's mealtime and we look at what the food is that they're serving these patients Mm -hmm. it's like jello you know like all kinds of like crazy stuff that is not particularly healthy looking what's up with that
1: (laughs) yeah no you're so right I always um it got to the point where um I was just such a natural health advocate whilst I was still working in the hospital that the dieticians on the ward would see me coming and be like, this guy that thinks he knows about nutrition. Like, (laughs) because I would be so fired up. And and we got to the point too where um, doctors would come in and be like, Maddie, we've got another patient for you that's apparently cured their life or their cancer on this particular diet. And I was just like, one for me, zero for you. Um, (laughs) um, And so like everybody started to learn this and I started, you know, doing the podcast, which was kind of a secret. Um, and it was funny too, just to, on a little tangent here, people after meetings would come like, would wait, hang around or follow me and be like, hey, so um, so, so I checked out your podcast. <laughs> and they'd be like, really ashamed of the fact that they went, they learned stuff and they were shocked that they learned stuff um, and about, yeah, nutrition and different things. But Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I always say that the liver, your liver doesn't doesn't have a brain, right? And so all it interprets things as is one of two things, nutrition and a useful resource or a toxin and something to respond to to protect the body. There's no in between with a single molecule that goes through the liver, right? And so when you're um, in a hospital, you're taking medications and pharmaceuticals. If they're necessary or not necessary doesn't matter your liver will still interpret that chemical as an unnatural toxin um, and it will do its job to detox it and if it doesn't detox it you've got a problem right Um, and so when you're in a situation with food as well your, your liver will interpret the food the same way so if you're putting toxic drug in uh, which might be necessary but toxic drug in and then also layering it up with toxic food your liver doesn't go oh that's all right we know that's a burger from McDonald's so we're not gonna we're not gonna damage the body with this it doesn't do that right so to me it's like we're just layering up toxic drug toxic environment um, probably toxic relationships and lack of sleep because you get no sleep in a hospital is the most important health variable and you get none in a hospital um, you're stressed by the situation and then food which is meant to be fueling this entire machine we're putting more toxins into the system Um, and so yeah that's i think that's an awful strategy and and again it goes down to comes down to uh, economics because it's the deals that the hospitals have with um, food companies uh, and you know how much they can get into the into the hospital for a particular type of fee or wage or whatever you know however much it costs Um, and in, I know in a cancer setting, the main strategy is calories. The conversation is about calories because they want to get as much energy into an individual for them to be able to survive the really hectic treatment. Now, to me, that doesn't make much sense because if you put loads and loads of diesel into a petrol car, you're still going to blow up the engine doesn't matter how much fuel there is um and so volume in that context doesn't make much sense volume is useful if the fuel is the right fuel right um volume then matters and so yeah it got to the point where um i i would be just like oh, what about turmeric and ginger and all of these things where there's actually hundreds and thousands of studies like actual scientific studies on this stuff that could be leveraged by the pharmaceutical companies but you know, you can't patent a match a natural molecule like turmeric or ginger, so you can't own it. You can't earn commission from it, uh, so it doesn't happen. But um, but yeah, no, I think if anybody listening has family members in hospital or you're in hospital you- yourself, find someone to bring you food that came out of the ground and didn't go through processing. Nothing in a bag, a box, or a can. And whether you're in hospital or not, avoiding bag, a box, or a can types foods for the most part um, is usually going to be beneficial to your body.
0: Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just dumbfounded when I go to the grocery store and, you know, I look at all the foods, quote unquote, that are available there. And the organic section is this little teeny tiny section of yeah. produce. And then all the other stuff is non-organic, and or else it's it's packaged, it's microwavable, or it's you know um, you know in a box, and then you look at the ingredients, and you can't even pronounce the ingredients. Yeah. Like what happened to actual food? Like. Yeah, I think box, not. Really. That's a
1: really good question Ooh. because. There's, there's a really un, um, uncomfortable conversation that needs to be had, right? Um, which a lot of people don't want to talk about because it involves a conversation about dying. And that conversation is, how did we get here where there's um, foods that aren't real foods? Well, because we created an earth that has such an exceptional number of humans that we had to produce food in an unnatural way. So that begs the question, how did we end up with so many people on the planet that we couldn't feed? like with with and what i mean by that is with real food. And that's a really uncomfortable conversation because the end of that conversation is who dies first. Um and and unfortunately, we've created a 7.8 probably eventually 9 billion person problem. Half the world overeats, um half the world undereats, and we've got this like disconnect. So there's uh, you know in the in the pursuit again of, of capital gains um people have been trying to keep as many people thriving or not not thriving but surviving um you know through whatever versions of food that they can throw together because the reality is organic farms produce smaller crops smaller yields um and it is much more difficult to feed the planet on a on an organic model uh because of the just yeah the, the chemicals make it possible it doesn't make it healthy It makes it possible though. Um, and And so like, yeah, there's just, we've got to figure out like we created this problem and now we've got all of these humans because back in the day when we were in tribes and clans, it was a choice. Like it was a choice to add a member to the community that they could feed uh, and make sure that they were able to look after. And if somebody died or somebody was getting older and unable to be a, a warrior or a hunter, it was like, all right, so now we need to expand the community. Now, I'm not necessarily saying we should be that regimented, like we all live in China and we're only allowed to have one child. However, like selfishly populating the earth with humans without any thought creates problems um and we are in a situation where we've got a big big problem
0: (laughs) yeah you know community used to be so important everyone was raised by the community you know children were planned you know they weren't just haphazard and you know everybody contributed to raising the children and that was just normal life but as life became kind of not so normal <laughs> anymore, you know, with all of these, um, you know, the the I don't know. We'll, we'll just kind of say kind of the sexual energy virus that goes around, you know, where people, in, instead of being in community, it has turned into like every man for himself. You know, I've I've, mm-hmm. I've got a and then we just have this whole society that is completely off balance where it's not family centered anymore. You know, it is very hedonistic and, you know, we're seeing, you know, the messages all the time, the messages to the teenagers and, you know, yeah. you have to look like this and you have to be like this and be sexy and, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. And it just, it's causing far, far, far more damage than, you know, we need to have on this planet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, you're so right. I actually talk about that a lot in regards. So I I mostly work with women because it seems like generally speaking, women are willing to accept help. Men are pretty stubborn with their health. (laughs) Um, But um, the thing that I talk about a lot is that we've got this We've got the real pandemic or one of the real pandemics is um, like the situation with women's um, being overweight, being stressed, having all of these issues for like a good 20 or 30 years and the reason for that in many cases is that their hormones are so shot because they've been living in this constant stress environment where they have to be everyone to the family husband kids all of the time and so their stress hormones never switch off switch off and when you produce hormones there's a hierarchy and so the cortisol and adrenaline are the most important and when you use up all of your resources there you can't really um, supply the rest of your system with your estrogen and your progesterone uh, and there's a whole host of others that don't get made as a result and you do that for a couple of decades and then you've got some serious weight loss problems that are extremely hard to reverse and I actually think that the the big thing that um, is at play here is just what you said is that once upon a time it used to be a group of women and the kids would come to you with a problem and you'd be like oh no Lisa deals with those problems I deal with these problems for everyone Do you know what I mean? And so everybody had their role and your stress only happened when you dealt with your challenge. Or in a different uh, perspective, it's that instead of 100% of stress being on you, the group shared 5% each and it wasn't hugely impactful. And once it was over, it was over. It wasn't like, oh my God, soccer practice. Oh my God, school. Oh my God, like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Um, And so... I yeah, work with these women that are like, I wanna change this about my body and I'm like, We you unless you are willing to create space in your life to just be, to just yeah. be calm, to breathe, to be present we're actually not going to improve much. You might eat correctly. You might get up and go to the gym. You might do all the things. Um, But if you're going to do all the things, you're still doing all the things. You're still running on stress. So, which again, comes back to the psychology because a lot of of mums have this belief and I'm not saying that it's an incorrect belief. I'm just saying that it's one of the challenges is that like kids first, everyone before me. Um, And unfortunately, what that does, if we look long-term, is that you teach your kids how to show up in the world as adults. Um, And if you are totally selfless, it's a beautiful concept and it's nice to say to each other, but actually self-care is more important than putting everybody else first because as a parent, because when when your children are 21 or 25 and they're out on their own, consciously or unconsciously, they're going to say, how do I do life? right? You get the odd black sheep, and I'm definitely a black sheep, but most kids will be like, they will default to the way that you showed up for yourself. That's how they'll show up for themselves. And the cycle repeats. And then we say, then Western medicine says to us, oh, genetics run in families. Genetics are not the problem most of the time. Like It's habits, routines, cycles that they learned like unconsciously absorbing your behaviors and, and the way that you show up in the world. And so I think that, yeah, d- getting back to that group mentality and having a group of mums and a group of, um, you know, a family that's all connected and helpful and um, is so incredibly important to the health of females across the planet so they can offload some of this stress or share the challenge and the burden. Um, and, you know, men are obviously should be a part of that solution as well.
0: Exactly. You know, there was a time on this planet where life itself was sacred, where everything was honored. The plants were honored. The humans were honored. The water was honored. The animals were honored. And everything was in balance. You know, when we're living in balance with nature, then, you know, and we're living with dignity and honor and respect for ourselves and each other and the planet we just be healthy (laughs) we be in balance but because those words in my opinion say you know um, honor and respect we don't have a lot of people demonstrating that you know in the news (laughs) and You know, we see people treating each other horribly and disrespecting the planet. And that's the norm on the planet at this point. So I think right now we're in this in this massive shift of consciousness where we're bringing back sacredness and bringing back the dignity and the honoring of the planet. And I think as we do that, our health is going to improve dramatically (laughs)
1: Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think you're right. Like, yeah, we're all being led down this path strategically, you know, in order for us again, like where we started to be compliant and to be not dangerous to the system um, and not a threat to the system. And, And so I think, yeah, the more that we can do to empower people to stand in their own truth and, develop and create a life that they actually benefit from, from a health perspective, from an energetic perspective, from an emotional perspective, um, then that's really doing good work. Because unless you're in the driver's seat of your own life, uh, you're just a character in somebody else's story.
0: Exactly. That was really well said. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, you know, it, it, it really truly is about empowering ourselves And the only thing that we each have full command over is our own state of being Mm -hmm. and who we be and how we be is actually under our command. It is under our control, but we have been living in reaction mode to all the stresses and strains of the ex of the external world that we lose track of that. We lose our ability to be, and I talk about, you know we really don't need to heal our bodies we have to become the version of ourselves that is healthy and balanced
1: yeah and, and and as well for us to believe we're worthy of that um so many people have yeah mm-hmm. been pulverized into believing a certain group of things about themselves um and it comes along with that selflessness you know that is celebrated in society it's like oh look at the person that did everything for everyone else but themselves um, and and we really champion that in society and i think actually we do that person would do far more good by showing up themselves as a great person for themselves and it's kind of like um i don't know you know jordan peterson the psychologist famous psychologist he often says that you know before you Um, before you've got a, until you've got a perfect home, never don't criticize the world. Um, and I think that we would change the world by everybody fixing their own home, as opposed to going out and saying, I'm not going to worry about my stuff, but I'll try and fix as many other people. So that society says you're a good person. (laughs)
0: Exactly. You know, until we can stand, stand for ourselves and create our boundaries and say no to a lot of these things. To to realize that we actually have the ability to stand up and make choices for ourselves without being coerced and cajoled and pushed and pulled. And it's like we need to be able to remember who we are as these grand beings of light and love (laughs) so that we can stand in that power, that power that is our love.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I totally agree. I think conversations like this, podcasts like yours uh, are all a part of that solution, right? Just slowly drip feeding knowledge to people in a way that they get exposed over time. And hopefully that facilitates a transformation at some point, or it might not be, you know, a a big momentous uh, occasion. It might just be like, oh, I've just been listening to this kind of stuff for a long period of time. And I feel different, <laughs> you know, things uh, I'm starting to show up in the world differently. And it's just slowly happened over time, which is probably the way most things should happen. Unless, of course, you you know, something happens like a death or a diagnosis that shocks you into that situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing that we have all been in this state of amnesia for so long mm. that We just go with the flow and do whatever we're told to do. And we don't really even think twice about it. But we don't realize that how much power we actually have to create the lives that we want to create, that we are creator beings and that we're creating with our every thought, whether we're aware of it or not. And we've been trained literally to be unconscious to just simply do what we're told, follow the rules, do what you're told, then you'll get a reward. Good little girl, good little boy, get you get a good you get a gold star today, you know. <laughs> and we've forgotten how to think for ourselves and how to reason for ourselves and to listen to our own inner guidance. And our body is the inner guidance system. You know, we're yeah. so conditioned to try to avoid pain at all costs. But, you know, sometimes the body is sending us these, you know, these little jabs like, "ooh, that doesn't feel right. And Mm -hmm. we go, oh, well, I'm just I don't want to listen to that. But that's our our soul speaking and guiding us in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I think just when you touched on... um... Like you know, being good little girls and boys, like that school system and the society we've got, like really perpetuates a victim mentality as well. And and more so than anything, the internet, like you know, like the political correctness of everything is like always rushing to be like, don't hurt the poor victim, you know. Um, And it's just a narrative that I'm not saying people shouldn't be protected. It's just like it's a perpetual narrative through society that you know, if you can claim victim status, you'll get attention, you'll get, possibly you'll generate money, you'll be in situations where you get needs met that you might not otherwise have met, um, and that, you know, showing up in the world as someone that's not a victim and that is in control, you don't get those things, well, and you might get those things, but you've got to go about them in a different way that might feel less fulfilling to those wounds that you currently have, um, And and so I think, yeah, being um showing up in the world as someone that's not a victim but is in control is a really difficult transition for a lot of people to make because um they've got to make decisions for themselves uh they're responsible for the outcome um and you know sometimes the devil you know is better than the one you don't so it's like even intellectually people listen to like this conversation and think yeah i get i get it if i showed up in the world it would be beneficial but i'm not going to do it because it's too scary i don't know what's going to happen out there it's wild <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's such the illusion too, you know, like when I was when I found myself facing cancer and I was like, I'm not going the medical route, but I don't know what to do. Like, it was super, super scary. Yeah. But then, you know, as I went along the journey and suddenly I realized, wait a minute. I created this somehow I created this. And if I created this, I can also uncreate it. like, mm-hmm. Even though I didn't know how to uncreate it in the moment, I just knew that I could. And I knew that if I asked the right questions that I would receive the right answers. And it's it ends up being the most em- empowering thing to be able to take responsibility for your own self, for your own circumstances it becomes your salvation in the end.
1: Yeah. What do you think people need to um, experience to, in order to take that step into responsibility?
0: Well, unfortunately, most people need to experience, you know, some catastro- tro- catastrophic event, you know, and get pushed into that. Mm-hmm. But I think the consciousness is starting to raise on the planet fast enough now That I think as the vibration raises that everybody is just starting to just automatically start to wake up and they're starting to automatically realize, wait a second, there's a different way to be on this planet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I'm in control of me, if I can be in charge of me, then That's all that I need to be in charge of. I can't be in charge of you. I can't be in charge of anybody else. I can only be in charge of me. And when I take full responsibility for me, then I start living in balance and I start commanding some respect and I start giving other people the respect that that, that I would like to have and then kind of everything starts to change in your life. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, things are a whole lot easier than I thought they were. Things are actually really, really simple. Like if I just take care of me and keep myself in balance, the world around me changes automatically. And it's spectacular.
1: Oh, it's so spectacular. Yeah. And it's, it's just like all the stories we attach to you know showing up and having to struggle and being the victim are just again probably things we learned from how our parents showed up or our parental figures showed up in the world and um and you get like I don't know what it's like um in your family but I know like a lot of my family you catch up and it's like how's work yeah it's all right like you know it's like how's 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 the kids yeah all right like like nothing is it's not even okay to be like everything is amazing like you know you're almost judged for like enjoying the experience because you're not suffering at work and the job you hate or you're like your marriage is actually happy oh my god forbid you know (laughs) right
0: it's crazy it is (laughs) yeah but What we start to find out is that the happier we are, the healthier we are. (laughs) So it's totally definitely pays to start taking our happiness into our own hands and start to, to um, realize that we actually have control over that.
1: Yeah, I am so with you. And as you said that, it reminded me of when I went to laughter yoga. (laughs) Have you ever Uh, done laughter yoga?
0: I have not, but I have heard about it.
1: Yeah, it's it's a hilariously awkward experience, but worthwhile. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we definitely need more laughter in the world. And if we all just turned off the news, we would certainly make great strides in that.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. I don't have any social media apps on my phone and like, it's heaven. It's so good.
0: <laughs> nice, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, I just can't
1: do it anymore. Like they're just so consuming and distracting. And yep. sure, every now and then I'm like, oh, should I download it? Um, but it's just, oh, it's so all encompassing unnecessarily.
0: <laughs> exactly. You know, most people think that the that the news is the way it is because the world is yep. the way it is. But I completely disagree. I think the, new, the world is the way it is because the news is constantly spewing fear and yeah. <laughs> craziness into the world.
1: And I Definitely. was thinking
0: about it the other day. It's like, what if, there was no, what if there was no news? Or what if the news was actually good news instead mm-hmm. of bad news? And I started to realize, wow, that one change in the world would completely change the
1: world. It really would. Even even if, um, it, as you said that, it reminded me of an assignment that I did in my nutrition degree, um, where we had to do one side of the argument and then with the second assignment was like rebutting everything that you had said. And I think that's one that's genius. All degrees should be made up of that. Um, But two, is that with the news, even if it wasn't just good news, but it was 50% bad, 50% good, just so the the dichotomy of reality, you know, or the duality of reality, because we're never going to eliminate, you know, horrificness and terribleness. But, you know, there's, I I believe, you know, and it's like, I don't really have any proof, but like, I like the concept as a scientist, that there's always equal parts good and bad at all times. And it's just where you focus your attention. Um, So Yeah. Even just adding 50% of the good stuff to the news, I think would transform the world.
0: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So here we are transforming the world one podcast at a time.
1: (laughs) We're giving it a go. We're giving it a go.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Wow. Maddie, this has been such a great conversation. I love, love our conversations.
1: Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for getting me on. And thanks for being on my show too. So, Um, yeah, I know when that gets released, everyone's going to love it.
0: I'm sure that'll be great. So, so let everybody know how, how do they find you?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, any and all podcast apps, uh, you can find how to not get sick and die. Um, so check out Lisa's episode. It's amazing. Um, and other than that, I've got a Facebook group called the busy mums collective for mothers and women out there wanting to get healthy, um, talk about emotional eating and nutrition um, and where else? Oh, my website, maddielandsdown.com.
0: Beautiful. So if you're watching this on YouTube or listening on Connecting u 2 You Radio, just check the show notes and the links will be in there. Thank so, you. Yeah. So Maddie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation too. Beautiful. So everyone,
0: have a great week and we will see you again on Solution Sunday next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Connecting You to You Radio. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Are you ready to discover more about how simple healing your body can actually be when you do it from the higher wisdom of your soul? To learn more about what I do and how you can work with me, visit ConnectingYouToYou.com and get on my mailing list to be the first to know about my latest offerings. If you'd like to interact with me on Facebook, please join my group, Soul Sourced Healing. Check the show notes below for these links and more. I hope to see you again next time on Connecting You to You Radio.